Hello and welcome to The Graduates, a radio show dedicated to Berkeley graduate student research. My name is Stephanie Gerson and I'll be your hostess for the show here on KALX Berkeley. So today I'm talking to Sarah Lopez, a PhD student in the architecture department. So welcome, Sarah. Hi, thank you. And we're going to be talking about the impact of migrant remittances on architecture in rural Mexico. So first, can you briefly introduce your work? Uh, yes. Well, um, there are many people, I think, who are aware of the fact that um, migrants are sending money to, the, to support their families in Mexico. But what I'm looking at is more specifically the effect that this money has on the building industry down there and on architecture. Mm-hmm. Um, and also the social and economic structures that support that building. So my research then takes me both to rural Jalisco, where I investigate the buildings, and also to Los Angeles, where a lot of the money is saved and accrued and um, a lot of those structures exist. Good. So let's actually start with some background. What are remittances? Remittances are basically just an economic term that describes the flow of money, the transaction of money from one place to another. It doesn't actually have to be across a national border. Mm -hmm. In this case, though, I'm talking about the remittances that are flowing from Mexican migrants who are located in California Mm -hmm. to their hometowns or places of birth in Jalisco, Mexico. Okay, and in terms of how they make their way to these rural environments, I know that obviously individual migrants here can just send it to their families back home, but there have also emerged institutional mechanisms, uh, specifically Mexican hometown associations. So can you talk about what these are and what they do? Yeah. um, There's a long, long history of remitting. Uh, Migrants have been remitting, you know, basically for as long as they've been coming to California, especially many migrants come and leave, go back and forth. Mm -hmm. It's a continuous process. Um, So um, what's developed are these hometown associations or groups that are voluntary associations um, of people who all generally all come from the same hometown in Mexico. Mm -hmm. And they meet in the cities that they live in in the States. In this case, I'm looking at three that live in Los Angeles. Um, And then they they pool their money and they send it collectively. Um, And that money is used more for public infrastructure or public projects, not for, you know, $10, $2,500 for your mom to buy a new car or repair the car, et cetera, et cetera. So, um, and then also... It is also an interesting history of how remittances have actually been sent. Uh Um, In the past, you know, we didn't have wire transaction services. Uh Um, You know, even there was a time when people wanted to send money when the mail system was incredibly slow. Mm. So it's gone from a really informal structure, sending money in suitcases and back pockets and Mm -hmm. envelopes to now, you know, it's being formalized and banks are getting involved. So if you're someone, if you're a migrant worker and you live here and you get paid in, cash or a check and then you take it to your to the hometown association near you and are you part of this process of deciding what gets built and how much do you give and yeah if you are someone working here maybe you're gardening maybe you're running a small business maybe you're washing dishes let let's say you donate 10 bucks a month mm-hmm. um And usually if you're at that level of engagement with the hometown association, you aren't making decisions about what they're using that money for. Oh, so it depends how much you're giving. Well, and how involved you are with the meetings that they hold every two weeks. Um, 
there's also a federation called the Federation of Jaliscienses. So it's mm-hmm. like an umbrella organization that organizes all of these hometowns from that state. Mm-hmm. So it, it, it matters if you, you know, go to these federation meetings as well. You really have to dedicate a lot of time mm-hmm. to the hometown and the federation to really be making decisions. Okay. And then, so let's talk about the difference between if you're sending it individually versus sending it through a hometown association, what uh, what uh, the money actually gets used for. Right. Yeah, I'm. it's, for the most part, I mean, because I focus on buildings and architecture, uh-huh. um, you know, I'm not focusing as much on the money that's being used for food, uh-huh. for education, which it is, uh-huh. um, medical expenses, of course, et cetera. I'm focusing on usually the private remittances that get sent to families are used, are used, are built are building houses. They're using that money to build homes, personal okay. homes, um, or remodel houses. Of course, after they buy their new car, uh-huh. um, and <laughs> their mom, of course, <laughs> and the the public, the 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 remittances that are sent through HTAs um, are are generally used for two things. Um, they're either used for local infrastructure, so that would be like road repaving roads and potable water, uh, sewage. Or they're used to build or remodel either the church, uh, an old age home. Uh, I'm looking at a town that's building a big rodeo, big Mexican rodeo. Um, remodel the cemetery, various uh, base, you know, sort of uh, building projects. Mm-hmm. Redo the central plaza, mm-hmm. things like that. So you can really see the difference both between families that have someone sending money to them because you can see the differences in the individual homes and then you can also see the difference between towns in Mexico that are either represented or not represented by home because they either have a nice church or they don't. Absolutely. And that's one of the most um, both interesting, positive, and also troubling results of this is that there is a growing sort of inequality Mm -hmm. between the people and the places who migrate and who receive remittances and those who don't. Mm Um, and definitely um, in the photographs that I have been collecting, I have photographs of a house that's a small adobe single story house um, right adjacent to a two, three story, uh, r- what I'm calling remittance house, uh-huh. you know, a house built with this capital flow. Uh-huh. And um, the size and scale of the houses are completely different. Uh-huh. Um, the orientation to the street is different. The styles are uh-huh. very different. Yeah. So, yeah, it's visible. Right. So you can really see. Yeah. Could you tell it was a remittance house if you just saw it? For the most you part, could. yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the architecture of rural Mexico, the, the domestic architecture, is very simple. It's usually adobe construction. Um, it's like a house that's built to... Um, fit with an ag- agriculture or agrarian way of life, uh-huh. right? One story. Uh-huh. There's They don't have facades like we have where there's like a picture window in the facade or a big front door. They don't have front lawns. It's uh-huh. usually a, a, a wall construction like the Spanish construction uh-huh. to the street. So um, I think that a lot of people who come here are really fascinated yeah. with the houses and the architecture of both urban and suburban uh, California where we have these big, beautiful homes, freestanding, meaning, you know, surrounded by, the homes aren't adjacent. Uh They're surrounded by gardens here, Uh right? Um, Where we have pitched roofs, we have garages, Uh um, all of these various attributes that um, didn't exist in those places. Uh So they send the money with with a photograph. Often, <laughs> really, yeah, yeah. yeah. Can, can you please build something like this? You yeah, know, with the palm trees. And yeah, <laughs> exactly. I actually just recently, yeah, I, I, 
there's a a house that is a part of my chapter on the houses uh-huh. um, that is was built from a mail order catalog. Really? Um, wow. Yeah, and he did he did replicate it exactly. It the mail order catalog it was is, is based in Miami, Florida, so it's an American home, uh-huh. and he did it actually has probably 20 for a lot trees. cheaper though. Uh, for mm. a lot cheaper, so, yeah, absolutely. Hmm. If you want to get a cheaply built California home. <laughs> Okay, so, and I understand that the Mexican government has supported hometown associations, specifically with a program called Tres por Uno, uh-huh. which means three for one. Right. So can you talk about what that is? Yeah, that's a, a government program. Um, it started in the state of Zacatecas, which is above Jalisco, in 19, uh, between 93 and 95, and then reached a couple other states in 2000. And what it does is, if you send money collectively through an HTA um, that is sanctioned by the federation, so there's all these rules, mm-hmm. um, the mu- municipal, state, and federal government in Mexico will match that money. So, for example, if you send 100 bucks as your uh, hometown association, you get $300 of federal funds added to your $100. Um, but specifically, that money then has to be used for uh, public... Uh, construction projects or infrastructure. Mm-hmm. Okay, and uh, this is not to support migration, but I guess to support the flow of remittances that are part of the Mexican economy. I mean, is, is the government? Oh, right. It's, it's, I mean, they're not trying to promote. Right, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's actually. Um, Something that, depending on who I'm talking to, people often get upset about Uh this issue uh um, because some people see it as, well, then the Mexican government is encouraging Uh, uh, people to continue migrating uh, and continue remitting. And there's a very serious tension in in this issue because, um, on the one hand, the Mexican government um, is aware of this flow of cash coming in and they want to capitalize on it. Right. And what they say is that they want it to be used in a more useful way, uh-huh. that they don't want it to be squandered, uh-huh. you know, by families and friends in Mexico. Um, and so they see this as a great program uh-huh. um, to really spur local development. Uh-huh. Uh, the issue is, you know, to what extent, to what extent are these projects that are being built actually going to spur local development? Uh-huh. And are they going to have any effect or impact on out-migration from these places in Jalisco? Uh-huh. And to what extent are these programs um, increasing the dependency on U.S. migration right. of these communities? Yeah. So it really is a question of, you know, can we call this program, 3 for 1, um, development? Uh-huh. You know, and what, what kind of development is it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you talk about the remittance development model. So I'm wondering, is this is this an emergent phenomenon, or do people actually sit around and talk ab- about it in those terms as a development model? Yeah, I uh, was writing when I've been writing up about this project. I've started to call it that, the remittance development model. Uh-huh. I actually don't haven't seen that anywhere else, but it could be being Take used. It. <laughs> Run with it. I don't know if uh, definitely there are people definitely in development right. studies and things who are very interested in, in the program uh-huh. and studying the program. Um, but when I've talked to government officials, they still don't talk about it as a model. Right. It's a, a it's a nascent thing. It's emergent. It's a, yeah. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. It's in the works. It's 
very regional. So the way that it's playing out is different in one town from another. Right. You know, different from one state to another. And uh, it's also something that Mexico is sort of spearheading as a country. Uh But there are countries all across the world that are receiving remittances from migrants. Uh And a lot of countries are starting to be more and more interested in thinking about that money for local and development. And do they have similar hometown associations? There are hometown associations all across the world that are for other countries. For other countries. Uh-huh. Um, but I haven't specifically looked at any or studied any, but uh, the Migration Policy Institute and various other institutions have statistics about thousands of wow. um more than thousands, but the but the Mexican system is even though it's it's still emerging, it's it's the most institutionalized that the government has gotten involved. As far as with. I know, as uh-huh. far as I know. So for those of you who are just joining us, you're listening to the graduates on Calex. Today, I'm talking with Sarah Lopez about the impact of migrant remittances on the built environment in rural Mexico. You argue that although remittance construction by hometown associations has, you know built churches, etc., it has been destabilizing for rural Mexicans. So can you talk about how? I think that um, one of the things that's happening is that um, the people who are in hometown associations end up having a lot of influence Mm -hmm. over what gets built. Um, And as I said earlier, hometown associations aren't a monolithic group. You know, some people have more time to be involved. Some people from the state have less time to be involved. Some people have more money. They've mm-hmm. been here longer, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so one of the things that's happening is as a group, though, um, the hometown associ- association is garnering sort of power and influence. And this can sometimes destabilize the local government or undermine the local government in Jalisco. Because they control a lot of the money that's going in to that? Well... One of the ways that the the government has worked in Jalisco is that um, a lot of these rural communities aren't very represented uh-huh. and they don't necessarily have a lot of support or help from the local government. Uh-huh. But when they do have it, it's often comes in the form of s- pockets of money, you know, to hold parties or festivals or um, to build, to repair the school, which is in dire need. But now, if the hometown association is sort of stepping in as potentially the group that's going to be the people who you're going to ask to fund their party uh-huh. or re- refurbish their school, yeah. it sort of means that they're 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 the people of the town are looking to them as yeah. an authoritarian, you know, yeah, as an authority. It's like a remote government. I mean, I, I definitely don't want to paint this as a yeah. as a bad. You know, I mean, most of the things written about this program celebrate it. Yeah. Um, and see it as a great, great, you know, advance for Mexico. Um, and yes, it, maybe there's an issue with dependency on U.S. migration, but you know, um, things are being built, roads are being paved. Um, so let's talk about some of those. Celebratory things, yes. Um, So you also talk about how hometown associations have strengthened the position of migrants and migrant networks. How has that happened? So because of the size of these HTAs and also the, you know, everyone's getting excited about this, um, the quantity, the amount of remittances sent. um, You have companies who, businesses, transnational businesses who are trying to work now with migrants. So... I think it's just that there are more alliances and communication between migrants, government officials, and business owners. Mm-hmm. So instead of framing this as a 
good side, bad side of remittance construction and the remittance development model in general. Have you found any patterns associated with when this model is stabilizing versus destabilizing? Yeah, I mean, that's a really... Um a good and interesting question in terms of something that I'm that I'm working on and still thinking about. Um, it goes back to what I said earlier. I think when, uh, in terms of the way that the club is formed and who the club consists of, uh-huh. often affects the effectiveness of the projects they do. Uh-huh. So that might be one pattern or way to think about. And when you say the people, do you mean how many people? Uh, yeah, how how many people, how uh, connected they still are to the hometown. Okay. So, big so it, it ends up being more stabilizing when there's people on, there's relatives on both sides here and in Mexico that can... Mm-hmm. Well, at least there ends up being more communication, yeah. right? And yeah. more sort of, of a back and forth about what's needed in the hometown. And what about scale? Do you find that money, when it or when it's sent, the, maybe the tres por uno, it's like, it's, is it... Too much money, uh, too concentrated in an amount of time, and it—they're working it, that out. I think. I mean, meaning that yes, it's still something that needs to be worked out mm-hmm. um, because these projects are happening fast and furious. And for these communities that haven't seen this kind of injection of cash in mm-hmm. the past, it's definitely that can be in and of itself destabilizing. Yeah. Um, so I think that's something that they're still trying to figure out. You know, well. What should be our cap on the amount of yeah. money we spend on a project? Um, you know, and there are really interesting examples in Mexico of, for example, um, small Mexican rodeos that have been um, remodeled with remittances with a kind of reasonable amount of money mm-hmm. versus huge ones, right? Yeah. Where the HTA was like, we just want something fantastic, <laughs> and yeah. let and in a town that has maybe four hundred people, let's build a rodeo that seats maybe four thousand. <sighs> yeah. So it's being worked out uh, in, in different ways huh. and still a question. What, and what about funneling it through other smaller, I don't know, funneling it through microfinance institutions or something just to make it, I, I guess I'm thinking in terms of watering plants. Uh-huh. You, know, you want to get to the roots. <laughs> you don't want to water too much. <laughs> right, right, so right. So how do you actually distribute? Yeah, it's, that's, um, I don't really, I haven't been looking at microfinance institutions, um, in which is also something that people are starting to work on and, 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 and start up in Mexico and other yeah, countries. Yeah. Um, I think it's really experimental, Yeah. Really, you know, and there's not a lot of evidence that in Mexico that I've seen of it taking off. Uh-huh. Um, in the three for one program, they're starting to talk about proyectos productivos, uh-huh. so they want they want to see maybe money going toward factories, oh. local factories, or something that can produce money so that yeah. people wouldn't have to leave. Right. So right. they really are starting so to think about yeah, job creation. Taking more of the long view in the development yeah. model. Okay. Yeah. And what about, what about, you know, networks of hometown associations and the, you know, that being a network in itself. And so instead of, you know, the, the hometown association here only sending money to the to the hometown there, you know, they can kind of distribute the money amongst themselves and allocate it to different towns, or would that just not work that, on a federal scale? That's, it's, well, all these things are, are that you're asking are, are definitely, parts of them are happening in some ways, in uh-huh. some place. So for the most part, if you come from a place and you, and you leave it and you come to the States, you want to send money back to that place mm-hmm. for the most part. Mm-hmm. 
However, there are now more and more exceptions to that rule, you Mm -hmm. know, and uh, more and more people here who might be sending money to another hometown or another place because they see that they really need it Mm -hmm. or they see that uh, that they're using the money really well Mm -hmm. or their husband is from that place. Mm -hmm. Right. And they married someone from a different place. Mm -hmm. That happens often. There's also a lot of these HTA members are also social activists. So, for example, I know one hometown uh, in in Mexico uh, called Magdalena definitely can use as much cash as it gets. Right. But the club here during Hurricane Katrina decided to give them money uh-huh. instead of you know, so they collected money and usually they'd be sending it to their hometown. But instead they said, no, we're going to send it to New Orleans. Wow. So there is definitely a, a you know, it's not just two points with the right. flow back and forth. Right. It's, it is more of a network. Yeah. Although yeah. that although that that it, the norm is that it is yeah. the two points. OK, so let's talk about how the remittance development model could actually work to make these towns less dependent on remittances, right? So you use the remittance development model in order to not need to use the remittance development model. What kind of trajectory do you envision? Yeah, I I think it's a really, really hard question to, to try to, you know, answer what will happen in the future with, with this. Or, um, or I guess what, what would be the idealized right version of what could happen you know they build the school and then right okay the idealized version they don't need to migrate anymore (laughs) perhaps um perhaps Perhaps. uh is that yes we always (laughs) graduate students uh, there's lots of caveats here yeah (laughs) this is just a possibility i'm not saying anything for sure (laughs) (laughs) i'm still working on this project (laughs) it's not published um but um Perhaps the ideal situ- you know, solution would be um, that there would be job creation, um, that the remittances would be used for job creation in these, in these hometowns um, that would be able to curb emigration uh, from, from them. Um, and I mean, one of the big concerns about that, though, is who would govern them, who would maintain it and who would who would be the benefactor like if there was a small factory in the town not Mm. everyone is gonna Mm -hmm. be benefactors of the factory um but i think that 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 is the ideal situation is probably to focus on local infrastructure and on um productive projects Mm -hmm. um right now remittances are declining is what the word on the street is you know, they've been having articles about this recently and because of the tightening border policy. Oh. So people are really concerned that that remittance flow is going to decrease and that a lot of the ideas of where Mexico can go from here will um, be halted. Uh, but I think that rather than having big, big, big cities down yeah. in, in Jalisco, um, maintaining these smaller communities uh, with by putting injections of, of productive projects in there uh-huh. um, is a good is a good solution. And the only other thing is maybe the HTAs or Federation collectively deciding on one or two big projects for the state mm-hmm. uh, instead of just thinking about their hometown mm-hmm. and actually investing money to develop um, something on a larger scale. Mm-hmm. And have you seen intergenerational change or is it too soon between town people in towns? 
that have hometown associations, you know, and then the younger generations don't have to migrate out as much? Or is it kind of too early? I think it's right at the moment where we might be starting to see that. Um, I mean, hometown associations are actually, there's a long, long history of them. Uh They're not actually all new, although they've been growing really fast lately because of this program, three for one. Uh But um, one of the things I saw was that um, in these rural communities that in the past, it was basically only farming was the with the way that people were able to have livelihoods. Now, uh, young kids, children are going to the local universities and they're often being supported by fathers who are working in fields throughout the coast of, of, you know, in Washington, California, et cetera. So that I've seen that actually on a number of occasions. So mm-hmm. that could signal a change, um, a big change because a lot of those young kids who are going to the local university don't want to come to the States. Yeah. Um, so it's just a matter if when they graduate, if they're going to be they able can to find, find a, a job. job. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Huh. Okay. So we will be right back. On next week's show, I'll be talking to Sanjay Huku from Film Studies about pop culture, uh, pornography. Uh, I'm, a- I'm actually not perfectly sure what we're going to be talking about, but it will be interesting. So... Please join me for The Graduates every Monday from 12 to 12.30 on CalEx. Welcome back. Today I'm talking to Sarah Lopez from the Architecture Department about the impact of migrant remittances on the built environment in rural Mexico. And uh, since we're in Berkeley, where is the closest Mexican hometown association to (laughs) where we are right now? Just out of curiosity. Uh, Well, the one, you know, they're not necessarily all public uh-huh. so you know there's you wouldn't I'm really sh- know it was i'm there. sure there are many but maybe if it was built with remittance money you'd be able to tell <laughs> right <laughs> if i went down to that place <laughs> but the one that i know of is um there's one in san pablo or at least that that's where the president lives uh-huh. and he coordinates the people who are here in the bay area um so right above richmond mm-hmm. and their hometown vista hermosa is really really a gorgeous place oh. it's in the middle of sugarcane fields and they have some really great projects going on there so Okay, so my last question, I know that you're proposing some new terms here, remittance construction, remittance space, the remittance development model. So uh, have you Googled any of these terms just to see what's going on with them? I have. <laughs> and? And, um, oh God, um, Remittance house, for example, um, mm-hmm. is a term that I started using for my master's thesis, which was called the remittance house uh-huh. on the cultural landscape of Mexican migrancy. Uh-huh. And um, at that time, that was in 2004, um, the, the the remittance house to describe these homes that Mexicans are building are is not used that way. Yeah. The only thing that comes up is every, they will say a remittance house as in a house that where remittance transactions take place oh yeah you know yeah um or houses that that kind of use but in terms of talking about and this phenomenon of building remittance homes is not just happening in mexico it's happening all over the world yeah i noticed remittance space yeah they use it in a metaphorical sense Mm -hmm. like the the general domain of remittances and what's going on in that space right right yeah so uh, you should put it out there. I definitely entry. need to start publishing. Yeah. That's something I, I, yeah. that's on the... And and do you think, I mean, the fact that you've needed these terms, you've, you're using these concepts so much that you needed to kind of come up with terms in order to refer to them. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like other people are needing them too? 
and Definitely. This, this, something like remittance construction or remittance space would survive in academia Definitely. and beyond. Uh, absolutely. Because if, if, if there isn't already someone out there that I'm not aware of who mm-hmm. is, you know, talking that way, um, definitely because, um, as I say, you know, remittance construction, the remittance house um, is not only a national, f- it's a phenomena. It's mm-hmm. not only a national phenomena, it's a global phenomena. So, mm-hmm. um, for example, there's a student from the Portuguese in uh, department, uh, or he's actually in the architectural department from Portugal, mm-hmm. uh, who was talking to me about my project. And he said, oh, you know, I think your research is really interesting. Um you know, we have remittance homes, you know, in yeah. Portugal. And I was like, really? You know, yeah. Many Portuguese migrants who went to France and sent francs or, what, you know, whatever back uh, and built houses kind of with this French style. It's also happening in Turkey and Germany. Yeah. Um, so I think that there's really a need, actually, for, for these terms words, yeah. to be out there. So, yeah, I hope yeah. to, you know, I just came back from field work. Yeah. So I'm hoping to write some articles this summer and send them yeah get it out there. out there so if you hear remittance home remittance construction remittance space you'll know <laughs> sarah lopez right here at berkeley <laughs> okay well great thank you sarah it's been a pleasure talking to thank you thank you thank you you've been listening to the graduates a radio show dedicated to graduate student research on k-a-l-x berkeley my name is stephanie gerson i'm actually no longer a graduate student myself as of about a week ago and I will be looking for someone to take over the show so if you are interested or you know someone who might be interested please visit our Facebook page that's the graduates Calex in quotes on Facebook and let me know and visit our Facebook page anyway because it's always great to get feedback from listeners background music for the show was produced by Chris Peck you can check him out at myspace.com slash Chris Peck you can also find us on iTunes University and download the podcast and join me next Monday from 12 to 12.30